from the basement to the cover of Forbes and then to prison. We look at the fascinating story of Bitcoin millionaire Charlie Shrem. Good morning. You're listening to the Rise in Crypto podcast by Cointelegraph with me, Robert Bags, steering you through the crypto cosmos with daily dispatches from the digital frontier. If you want to stay ahead of the curve in crypto, make sure you click that follow button. Okay, grab yourself a coffee and let's get into it. It's hard to believe so much can happen in 24 hours, but there's a lot you need to know. So here's the rundown. FTX has been given the green light to sell $873 million of trust assets to pay creditors. Jack Dorsey leads a funding round for a company trying to decentralize Bitcoin mining. The Philippines SEC says Binance is operating without a license. The UK tax authority HMRC issues a warning for crypto holders. And the fascinating and turbulent story of Bitcoin millionaire Charlie Shrem. It's not often that there's sort of positive news surrounding FTX these days, but let's start with a story that recently broke. Braden Lindrea wrote up the news that the bankrupt crypto exchange has been given approval to sell around $873 million of trust assets, according to a Delaware bankruptcy court filing yesterday. There will, of course, be a lot of hands stretched out for this, I imagine, but the good news is that it is earmarked for the repayment of creditors. This $873 million is mostly from FTX's stakes in several trusts issued by the crypto asset manager Grayscale, although $66 million of it is from the custody service provider Bitwise. A little interesting side story here is that the motion to sell the assets was filed in October when they were valued at $744 million, but they've increased significantly significantly in the interim. As good as that is, it must be an utter nightmare for those trying to resolve this mess. FTX currently owns 22 million units of GBTC, Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, which you may remember I discussed last week because Grayscale wants to convert this to an ETF. This 22 million units is worth nearly 700 million at the time of the approval for this sale. Obviously, it's not going to clear FTX's debts, but it might make a dent. Braden noted that the FTX debtors estimated in June that the amount of customer assets misappropriated was 8.7 billion, though so far around 7 billion has been recovered, with just over half of that being crypto. You can't travel very far into the world of crypto without encountering decentralization and realizing the importance it has to the sector. Much of what makes crypto and Web3 attractive and useful is its decentralized nature. However, not everything in crypto is decentralized and we still rely on many centralized systems to bridge gaps and build. Nevertheless, there are still areas of crypto that are centralized that perhaps shouldn't be or could be improved by becoming decentralized. It's this notion that is the motivation behind a new project for Bitcoin mining called Ocean. Jack Dorsey, the co-founder of Twitter and a crypto champion, yesterday backed a BTC mining pool that looks to decentralize the reward process. Ocean's parent company, Mummelin, saw a successful $6.2 million seed round, which was led by Dorsey. Luke Deshir, Mummelin's co-founder and longtime Bitcoin core developer, said, Ocean is a new type of pool that enables miners to truly be miners again. We are launching as the most transparent pool and also the only non-custodial pool, where miners are the recipient of new block rewards directly from Bitcoin. So here's why this is a big deal. At present, BTC mining pools take exclusive custody of the block rewards and transaction fees, and then they distribute them to the miners. As Mummelin's other co-founder and president, Mark Timko, said, this gives them the ability to withhold payment from individual miners, whether by their choice 
or by legal requirement. So Ocean's new mining pool format would make the reward mechanism of Bitcoin mining decentralized. It's hard to imagine further decentralization of the Bitcoin ecosystem meeting much resistance from Bitcoin supporters, and Ocean's non-custodial payouts to miners feels like nothing but a positive on the face of it. So if there's a drawback here that I'm not seeing, let me know. Ding, 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 time for your daily Binance story. We're down to just one a day though now, so uh, that's progress. What isn't progress is the Philippines regulators say that Binance has been operating without a license. Yesterday, Helen Parts covered the Philippines SEC issuing a warning against Binance, informing the public and related entities that the exchange is not authorized to sell securities in the country. The statement said, based on the commission's database, the operator of the platform Binance is not registered as a corporation in the Philippines and operates without the necessary license and or authority to sell or offer any form of securities as defined under section 3.1 of the SRC. That is a very dry way of making the same accusation we've seen against Binance and many other exchanges. That is, they are selling unregistered securities. That's not all though. The Philippines authorities has also been alleging that Binance has been illicitly promoting its services, a criminal offense that carries the penalty of a $90,000 fine, which I think they could manage, or 21 years in prison. The Philippines National Telecommunication Commission and the Department of Information have announced that Binance sites and apps are now blocked while in the country, and Google and Meta have been asked to prohibit adverts from Binance to Philippine citizens. Helen pointed out a registered comment on this story, which is hard not to take seriously. The user wrote, Binance is currently being sued by the US SEC. If it loses that case, every Binance operation in most countries, including the Philippines, would crumble like a house of cards. We've covered this US SEC case against Binance extensively, and you may remember that they are looking for an FTX-style backdoor, but the judge presiding over the case is running out of patience. So fingers crossed that is resolved soon. Okay, this one is for my fellow UK crypto folk. His Majesty's Revenue and Customs, HMRC, a very fancy way of saying tax people, issued a warning about paying your taxes. Under Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, the UK is on a trajectory to become a hub for emerging technology, or at least that's the intention. However, like most countries, it is struggling with the tax side of the public engagement with the new tech, blockchain. Yesterday, HMRC published guidance on how to declare and pay taxes on crypto holdings and NFTs, including back taxes citizens may not have declared. Those looking to clear any taxes they may owe for cryptocurrencies and NFTs are asked to choose from one of three reasons. Either they didn't take enough care, they evaded paying deliberately, or they intended to pay but somehow failed. How many people are going to fill this form in and say they evaded paying deliberately? Anyway, owed tax has daily interest charged and it can also come with penalties. As a UK citizen, I can tell you that some years back, it was very tricky to work out as crypto is usually considered as a financial asset and subject to capital gains tax, but it can also be an income in some circumstances. For some time now, I've just plugged all of my wallets into Coinly. There's no affiliation here. It's just what I use. There are other options. And then I give that to my accountant, which ensures complete transparency. What can I say? Tax situations scare me. So UK crypto folk, check if you owe anything. Those brown envelopes from HMRC are anxiety-inducing. I've included in the show notes a link to Liza Savenko's article on crypto tax in the US, UK, and Canada, as it's really helpful if you're not sure where you stand with all this tax stuff. YouTube was once a place for vlogs and dodgy animations. 
Now it's the epicenter of video content and plays host to unambiguously some of the greatest documentaries you can watch. I mean that. Prod me on social media and I'll give you my top 10. What you may not know is that Cointelegraph has an amazing collection of mini documentaries called Crypto Stories. I'll link to the whole playlist in the show notes. Yesterday we got a new entry to this playlist and it's the first of a two-parter on Charlie Shrem. As far as crypto biographies go, Shrem pioneered a now familiar tale. He went from a small online business to the cover of Forbes and then to prison. I really don't want to ruin this documentary, or if you're a reader, I don't want to ruin Tom Blackstone's article on the first part, which is also linked in the show notes. So instead, I'll just give you a teaser as to why this story is so fascinating. Shrem joined the Bitcoin forum just a few weeks after Satoshi posted for the last time, and discussions on the message board led to him co-founding BitInstant, in 2011. BitInstant was a Bitcoin exchange that was intended to be easier and quicker for buying Bitcoin at a time when it was really difficult to do so. BitInstant grew to the point where it was accounting for 30% of all Bitcoin transactions on any given day. The angel investor Roger Ver got involved, the Winklevoss twins invested seven figures, and as Bitcoin rocketed in both price and popularity, BitInstant could scarcely keep up. However, that was the least of Schrem's problems. In 2014, as he landed at JFK Airport, he was arrested for allegedly conspiring to launder $1 million of BTC to help users of the darknet marketplace, Silk Road, make illegal purchases. Back then, Bitcoin and Silk Road were seen as intrinsically linked, a reputation crypto is still trying to shed today. Charlie Shrem is known as the Bitcoin Prince, and he's one of the OGs of Bitcoin entrepreneurship. I didn't know much about his story, so this documentary was extra interesting to me, and I must admit I shuddered when they mentioned that they were using Mt. Gox. If you don't know why that would be terrifying, set yourself aside 15 minutes and Google Mt. Gox. Right, I'm not giving you any more information on this documentary, because part one is superb and I'm thoroughly looking forward to the second half. Either click the link to Tom's article or click the link to the playlist in the show notes. Okay, I think you're up to speed. So that is it for today. Consider yourself informed. Thank you for listening to the Rise in Crypto podcast by Cointelegraph. If you're enjoying these daily updates, please make sure you let us know by following, subscribing, leaving a review, or even sending us a tweet. Have a great day. Let's do this again tomorrow. 